Welcome to the Open STEM Startup Podcast with Joe Mardell. I'm here with Omar Salem from Field of Vision Technologies. Hi, Omar. Welcome to the podcast and thanks for joining us. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. It's, it's exciting to be here. and Looking forward to getting speaking with you. Absolutely. I'm really excited to start off this podcast. I'm really pleased to have you on as our first guest. So can you just start off by giving us a bit of a background story about Field of Vision and what led you to start the company? Yeah, of course. So, so at Field of Vision, what we're doing is we're giving... Uh, football stadiums and, and and clubs the the tools to enable that their visually impaired fans to to feel and engage with the with a live match rather than just listen to it so um the idea really came about maybe about six or seven months ago i was just scrolling through twitter and i came across a couple of videos which were quite interesting one of them was of a of a father taking his blind son to a to a stadium to watch a football match and he was he was tracing the the position of the ball kind of along his palms uh, the sun the palm of his son's hand just uh, kind of showing him where the ball was and then I saw a second one of a of a blind man um, kind of at home and and his friend was was with him trying to explain a, a football match to him but um, they'd actually built this um, this kind of tabletop model of the pitch and it had some it had like a ball and it had some players and he was kind of moving his hands around showing him the you know, kind of while mimicking what was going on on TV, essentially. And, and I thought it was really interesting because, you know, obviously visually impaired people, um, you know, if they're interested in football, they've got commentary and um, in some situations they can get a more tailored audio descriptive commentary. But I found the um, the use of touch uh, fascinating because, because you know, these people were kind of electing to use touch rather than just sound. So there obviously must be a, a greater benefit to it. So um, I just started researching into the, to, into the issue in general and found some really interesting facts like... Um, 43% of visually impaired people in the UK are football fans and, and that equates to about 200,000 football fans, visually impaired football fans in the UK alone. And, and obviously that value scales up worldwide. Um, and yeah, so, so we did some surveys with um, with some visually impaired fans and when, you know, we got some interesting figures like 66% said that um, being visually impaired took away from, from the excitement of a, of a football match and, um, you know, a significant um percentage would be interested in a, in a touch-based solution to this problem so so i got together some some old friends from secondary school and we well they're not old friends because I haven't been out of secondary school that long but um they um yeah so so we started field division and it's, it's it's been going well so far that's amazing so, that, that really is amazing I, I love the the fact that you're addressing a problem um which not many people are even aware of to be honest because i was not I, I didn't really, I never really gave it much thought about what it must be like for a visually impaired person going to a football game. But when you, when you say it like that, obviously, it must be a real hindrance to the actual experience. Um, have you spoken to many, many visually impaired people about kind of their experience of being a football fan in, in this world where um, they might not be able to get the full experience of the game? Yeah, we have. So it's, um, it's exactly as you say, really, you know, um, you know, we've talked to them and they just, you know, they just agree that there's, there's not an awful lot of points in going to a football match if, if, you know, you're, you're kind of relying on, on, on commentary alone or on the kind of the reaction of the, of the crowd alone. It's, um, you know, it's a difficult and challenging experience because, you know, even with the best commentary, you're still not getting kind of enough of what's going on. And even if you are, you know, they're kind of following the match through someone else's senses rather than, you know, through their own senses. I mean, obviously, you know, the eyes is kind of the main sense you'd use for that, but obviously that's not a possibility. So, mm. so, um, so they're, they're really interested in the idea of, of using touch to kind of feel exactly what's going on for themselves. So um, the product that we're building, you know, it can, 
so I don't think I've explained it actually to the to this stage. So it's a it's a small handheld device where, um, you know, a user can can hold it and they can track exactly where the ball is around the pitch because there's a movable kind of coin sized joystick piece that that just moves around the around the, the top of the surface. They can feel exactly what's going on. You know, they can feel the power of a cross the or the swerve of a shot exactly as it is in real life because we're using you know artificial intelligence to kind of interpret what's going on from the cameras and convert it into a touch-based format um, and then there's also vibrations that um kind of tell when the ball's being touched uh, kicked tackled etc so it's um so i think they're really interested in the idea um and so we're, we're working closely with them um, and we're trying to build a community of visually impaired people who can test this idea out and then you know develop it further with us so, so that's where we are that's where we're at at this stage a mm. couple of really interesting points there um, am I right in saying that you're you're developing both software and hardware solutions? Is yeah, that, exactly. That, that's yeah, exactly yeah. it. So um, it's it's really two avenues we're going down. Um, so the first one is the hardware itself. Um, you know, it's kind of the device we're looking at. It's roughly twenty centimeters long, thirteen centimeters wide. It's handheld and portable, and um, you know, it's battery powered. Uh, wire, connects wirelessly to the internet or Bluetooth. But then um, I think the artificial intelligence we use is, is the really exciting part of the project. Mm -hmm. So basically with, with four cameras um, kind of looking at the, at the stadium at the, on the pitch, we can detect and uh, interpret absolutely everything about the match from the position of the ball in real time to what team has the ball to um, what's actually happening with the ball is it being dribbled is it being passed is it being shot has a goal been scored um and this is all being you know kind of interpreted by the ai model and then being transmitted to to our devices so yeah it's definitely a two-pronged approach and it's um it's working so far yeah that that's awesome um i'd just be really interested to hear about the kind of other possibilities for for your technology that you're developing um potentially outside of the football arena um, is there other companies or people that are kind of developing similar things for the visually impaired, maybe in the workplace, or is that something that you've got potentially as a, an idea down the line or have you given it much thought? We've, we've given it a bit of thought. Yeah. Um, we, we haven't thought about the workplace as such, but the, the kind of the platform, the technology we're using, we've looked at it for, um, for video games and we've also looked at it for education, um, Although we haven't we haven't really looked at them in too much detail, workplace is an interesting one. We haven't quite um, considered that in terms of um, you know kind of how the workplace is, is conducted nowadays for for visually impaired people. You know they've got um, uh, well developed screen readers and um, other kind of assessive technologies, which is making you know the the process of working off a laptop or or, or learning or reading kind of a much easier experience. So I don't think it's so much of a problem. In that respect, because um, you know, access, accessible tech is, is is very well developed. To be fair, I mm -hmm. think the the niche and the gap is in accessible entertainment technology, which which is really rare at this stage. I mean, there's there's no like you know, everyone deserves to just do things for fun for entertainment, just just because it you know it, it, they want to, and um and there's a lot of there's not a lot of um assistive technology or accessible technology in that market so that's that's what we're interested in developing mm. further as as the as we go along in our journey yeah i can see that it's definitely a gap in the market and it's a problem that needs to be addressed and i think that's one of the great things about technologies like ai is that they can help to bring um 
products and services to people like the visually impaired who previously weren't really those products weren't really available to them so that's great but um i'd also be quite interested just to hear what it was that sparked your interest around helping the visually impaired was this something that is quite personal to you or did you just feel like these people need this solution and you wanted to bring it to them um incredibly enough not at all it's a it's a common question but um i i don't know a single visually impaired person personally in arthur do my two co-founders it's um i think it's quite rare actually because because normally you get these um these kind of startup stories founder stories and, and, and it's a really personal um kind of connect they have a personal connection to the problem that was it's i think it's actually a disadvantage to us in, in some respect because um you know without a personal connection it can be hard to empathize with the problem fully and then also to kind of convince um you know any any stakeholders or investors in the project that you know you're kind of engaged in the project personally um so it, the interest really just came from um just being interested in football being interested in technology and seeing there is a problem um you know wh when we when i started working on it i had no real intention of um kind of converting it into a kind of an enterprise or a company that we could sell to stadiums it was just more of a you know, I've got a 3D printer at home. I've got an Arduino at home. Let's see if I can throw something together that that could potentially work. And then it um it kind of just caught momentum from then on, from then on, so to speak. And um, yeah, a bit, a bit of a rare um story, I guess. But that's how it started. Yeah, that's awesome. I I, re I really love it. Um, anything altruistic like this, I I really uh have a passion for it, and I think that we need more of that in the world. So it's it's really great what you're doing. Um and how, so how long have you been uh, working on this project then? And uh, how long have you kind of um, been partnered up with your co-founders on this? Have you been working on it for a while? Yeah, so um, I, I started the initial kind of just technical design in, in the hardware itself back in, back in March. So I had the idea probably from around January or December of, of um, 2019-2020. But... Um, I, I suppose when um, you know the first lockdown hit in March, you know I was I was stuck at home with nothing to do, so I decided I'd just start working on this idea I had. Um, then in June slash July, I was contacted um, by by the person running Patch, which is a which is an accelerator program in um, in Dog Patch Labs in Dublin, and um, he was just looking for people to join the program. It was I think it was it's in its second year, so he was just looking for people to join, and he was asking me if I had any potential business ideas or whatever and um so I just said yeah I'm working on this thing I'll you know it, it could potentially work as a business or whatever so I'll I'll um, submit it and then he said you need a team and I was thinking then you know the first two people I thought of instantly was 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 Tim and David who were on the team who um competed um in the F1 in schools world finals with me back in um when we were in sixth year of school in 2018 so um you know we'd worked well together before in the past and you know, we all shared shared good interests and our skills complemented each other. So mm. we just got them involved. You know, they're sports fans as well. They love the idea. And then then we've just been working on it part part time slash full time, depending on on university um ever since. Mm. Sweet. And how's it been working with some of your, your close friends from school? Has there been challenges around that or have, have you just been having a laugh and enjoying it? Yeah, I, th I think it's all been good, you know. You know, for the most part, we're having a laugh, and I think for the for the entire part, we're having a laugh and enjoying it. Like there hasn't been any disagreements or anything. Um, 
it's quite interesting. I wonder, is it a challenge, you know, when you're so close to your to your co-founders, if, um, you know, if someone perhaps had a, had a disagreement or a grievance, you know, didn't want to quite bring it up because because they're such good friends, but uh, I haven't at least. But I think it's, um, you know, I think we work really well together and, and you know, our skills don't overlap too much. So it's, um, you know, it's a good combination of the three of us and, you know, it's going well so far. Yeah, that's great. I think with close friends, it could either go one of like two ways. You could either be so close that you can tell each other anything and it's completely fine or, you know, you're like really close and you don't want to risk messing it up or whatever. But it's great to hear that you haven't had any problems like that. So that, that's awesome. Um, um, and, and yeah, you said about how your, your skills are quite complementary. So um, how did you kind of work that out? Did you um, just identify which skills you were lacking and you needed to find people that could bring that to the table? Or was it just kind of like, you noticed that you all had these skills that would just be beneficial together? Um, I think it's a bit of both really, you know, like I knew that I couldn't do the project alone. Like for one, I've, you know, I had no clue about any kind of computer vision, artificial intelligence software. You know, I was kind of thinking at that stage that there could be someone in the background kind of with their mouse, like tracking the ball and kind of pressing buttons and stuff, but, but that's not scalable. Um, so I just, you know, told Tim and David about the idea, um, Tim studying engineering. So at that stage, he wasn't actually, you know, that, um, kind of good with software, so to speak, it was kind of just more general engineering. And then David himself is, um, was doing computer science. So he would have been more kind of down that route. But then Tim said, yeah, I'll I'll just, just figure it out. And he just, you know, went and, and just taught himself, um, you know how to how to create artificial intelligence and computer vision models, which was which is which is quite incredible. Um, and then you know, by the end of the de- the demo day of that program, and you know, after six weeks, you know, he had a he had a fully working model, and you know, it's just been it's just been developed since then, and it's you know, it's at a much better condition now. But I thought that was, that was um that was really good. And with David, you know, it's um you know, obviously he he was at first year computer science at times, so he'd just been doing the fundamentals and stuff, and then he's just gone ahead and you know created websites apps for us um and, and everything in between so it wasn't i don't think at that stage when i when i signed them up it was as much as okay i know this guy can do this and this guy can do that it was it was i know these guys can can learn to do this and that and 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 can kind of shape themselves to, to whatever role that um they kind of need to do so i, th- I think it was great in that sense yeah 100 percent um yeah that that is great and it seems like you've made a lot of progress since March. Um, obviously, we've had a, a lockdown or a few lockdowns throughout that period. So um, did you find that that helps? Did you, did you have like extra time on your hands and use the lockdown to kind of like try and come out of the lockdown with something beneficial? Is that what, you're, what you were thinking? Or um, Yeah, I think at the start, it was great because I think everyone was was positive about the lockdown. You know, You know, at this stage, it was all... You know, we kind of thought it would only last a month. Okay, we'll we'll all we'll all do these these running challenges and these these Instagram fitness <laughs> challenges, and we'll um you know we'll all get our lives together in a month, and then you know we'll we'll come out of this and we'll we'll just be better people. So I was kind of I was kind of part of that um that that uh, that mindset at the time. Okay, you know I've I've got a month. Let's see let's see what I can learn and do in a month. And then yeah. you know as as the, as the lockdown kind of dragged on, it you know it, I don't think it's helped to be honest. Um, <laughs> You know, I think in the most part, just, um, you know, like I, I talk to my co-founders, you know, almost every day, you know, we're, we're really close friends. You know, I haven't seen them in a year. It's, um, you know, it's not nice. Um, it's, you know, 
because because then everything just becomes kind of work related and, and you can't just um you know hang out you know just just meet up just 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 socially or, or for pleasure it's always um it's always just work 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 which, which can be tiring at some stages but um you know everyone's in the same position so so there's no use complaining um and then, and i think also you know in the in the field of of work we're in is um you know football stadiums fans um crowds and and um you know that that obviously hasn't uh hasn't been happening so stadiums are you know we're not quite sure yet if it's it's been a good thing or a bad thing in that sense you know maybe in one way stadiums are kind of thinking you know we've lost so much money we can't just you know invest into this new technology but then another way of looking at it is okay you know when we open up we want to you know kind of have this new feature um kind of you know for our offering so there's kind of two ways of looking at it and we haven't quite figured out which way it's going to go yet but um mm. interesting times for sure yeah i can see i can see how that would be a worry i guess going back after the the whole lockdown but i don't think that i don't think that um stadiums will think like that because it, like in the long run um things will go back to normal and there's always going to be visually impaired people and this problem isn't just going to go away by itself so sooner or later i think stadiums will have to address the problem yeah that is true that is correct sweet sweet um so let's uh let's talk plans for 2021 have you got any anything lined up that you'd like to share or um any plans on your mind um in terms of FOV, um, we are our, our, our big plan, our big thing is our is our launch, um, or sorry, like private launch in a kind of towards the start of the summer. So we're um, we've got, you know, we're building about twenty of our of our products, and we're just giving them to 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 whoever wants them, essentially, in terms of private users, and they'll just go home, you know, will watch as many matches as they want, and and um you know give us feedback which we can then use to develop the product further so i think that um that's going to be quite exciting there's going to be a lot of learning had from that and um hopefully there's some kind of publicity around the visually impaired community around that and then hopefully the the noise you generate will will um travel on to stadiums and clubs so i think that's the most exciting part of, of 2021 so far that's going to be really exciting yeah i mean um i'm sure you're very um looking forward to hearing some feedback on on the product and stuff and you know, it'll be a great feeling to see it in the hands of a visually impaired person and get to hear from them firsthand what it was like. Um, Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So are, you, are you quite confident that the visually impaired community will kind of embrace this idea and maybe word of mouth will help to spread it throughout the community? Yeah, I, I think we are. Um, you know, everything we've built so far has been based on kind of words of advice from them. Um, it's... Um, I think it's been challenging because, you know, if you're, if you're a software company, you can just kind of make anything and, you know, it'll, you can kind of send, you can email it over to people and they can try it out, but it's much harder with a, with a hardware company, mm. you know, you need to kind of have something that actually properly works and that isn't just going to like, you know, blow up when it's visits or, or anything like that. So it, it's, 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 I think it's been frustrating that it's taken so long for us to get to, to user testing, but um, I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, I do think it's that, you know, with the time we've had to, to refine the product to, to an extent, I do think it's going to be, it's going to be quite popular. Yeah, that's, that's great to hear. And I wish you the best of luck with that. Um, so, Thank you very much. Yeah, but I'm sure it's going to go well. And um, it's a great idea. If you can solve that problem, it's going to change um, 
you know, the experience of watching a football game for hundreds of thousands of people, like you said. So, you know, best of luck moving forward in 2021. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it, Joe. No problem. I'll call it a day here because it's getting close to time. But thanks for joining us, Omar. It's been great talking to you. Likewise. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for staying till the end of the episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and I really hope you've learned something. Please don't forget to check out the links in the description to find Omar on the social medias and also check out Field of Vision on LinkedIn. They've got some really interesting content and it would be great if you can stay up to date with what they're working on. Last but not least, don't forget to hit that follow button to stay up to date with any future episodes that we release. You don't want to miss out. Thanks again and have a great day.